Well, Brent is gay, and Kaylin's gay, and Clark is gay, and Ryan's gay, and Adam's gay. It's almost superior. Issue 177. I'm Kaylin. I'm Clark. And I'm Adam. Skeleton crew. Caballero crew in the house. Just three of us. Woohoo! <laughs> yeah, the three caballeros. Um, so on this week's episode, uh, we are rounding up uh, Black History Month. We're going to talk about the seventh episode of WandaVision. We've got the news that you can use. Clark's got something to watch out. And as always, this week's issues. So let's uh, talk about uh, the end of Black History Month. We've been going over some of our favorite characters and creators. This time around, we wanted to give a recommendation or two of graphic novels that we really love uh, done by Black creators. So first, I'm going to turn it over to Clark to give his recommendation. All right. Um the one I was really interested in speaking about is this series called Queen of Dreams. Um, the um, with Danny Lore is the writer and Jordi Prez is the artist. And Danny Lore is um, a queer person of color who actually is best friends with Vita Aiello, which I didn't know about, which is very interesting. They actually, and I didn't know about this, and I'm definitely going to download it as soon as we get off. Is there? They have a series, uh, a, a one shot between the two of them that's called Quarter Killer but also has a queer um, lead with a POC. So I'm excited about that. But anyways, Queen of Bad Dreams is what you think might be a hackneyed plot, you know, like dreams come out of people, dreams are real and there's there's some sort of judges and a police force that must either put them back or, you know, kind of decide what's going on with them, what to do with them. And it is so well done and interesting. They, the two leads are a, once again, queer um, POC couple and with, with a daughter and it's just silly sometimes really powerful sometimes interesting and um the art is gorgeous and yeah pass it on over that came out in 2019 so check it out on comiXology folks or just get it from somewhere i was thinking cool. of ha hacker of dreams and i kept thinking of like weirdly uh is it pat benatar's heartbreaker did i fuck that up kaylin you should know. i was just thinking like Ha dream hacker, scene breaker. Da, 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 dream okay, I guess I'm not. I'm not getting anything here. Never mind. Oh, I think I know what you're talking about, and I'm having a brain fart too, so I can't remember. But <laughs> yeah, it's either heart or Pat Pat heartbreaker. Yes, heartbreaker. Yeah. Who sings that? Yeah. Well, at first yeah. I was thinking Mariah Carey in the late '90s. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> Pat Benatar, isn't it? I think it's Pat Benatar. Yeah, Pat Benatar sounds right. Yeah, that's not hard. It's definitely Pat Benatar. We'll give it to Pat. Okay. So uh, awesome. We'll check out that uh, recommendation, Clark. I'm glad it's on Comixology, which is the way I like to read comics. So for me, I've got two, actually, one that's uh, a little bit newer and one that's a classic. So the newer one is Far Sector, which is published by DC Comics under their Young Animal imprint. Uh, for those of you who may know, that it started by Gerard Way, who is the... Uh, lead singer of uh, My Chemical Romance, but did oh. things like uh, Umbrella Academy, uh, Doom Patrol, and so on and so forth. But uh, he gave Far Sector to, uh, or he rather, he, he asked uh, N.K. Uh, Jennison, uh, who is a, um, a uh, black woman sci-fi writer, uh, to write up something that's set within the DC universe, but kind of giving her her own platform. So it's uh, by N.K. Jemison, as I mentioned, and Jamal Campbell is the artist doing just phenomenal work. Far Sector features uh, Joe uh, Mullen, who is a newish Green Lantern, a black woman herself, trying to solve a murder mystery on a planet that's beyond uh, the Guardian's 3600 sector. So if Brian Krull were here, I'd say, 
this is like the DC universe's outer rim. It's like way the fuck out there <laughs> uh, on a planet that hasn't had a murder in over 500 years. So uh, it, it's great. Uh, I love the design for, uh, for Joe. Um, she's definitely got like a little bit of like uh, uh, Janelle Monet inspiration in her look, like both like the hair as well as the kind of like androgynous, like uh, almost quasi tuxedo as a Green Lantern costume. And the great thing is, uh, I know we've talked about a lot of DC Comics on this podcast. Um, this is one that you don't need a lot of back knowledge on understanding what it is. You just have to know what the Green Lantern concept is, which I think we all know. Uh, and it doesn't deal with like, you know, worlds shattering or like time being like, you know, uh, retconned and all that kind of stuff. It's just a really well written and well illustrated story. And you can buy it uh, either... The first uh, volume is out. You can buy it, you know, at your local comic store. You can get it on Comixology. And if you have the DC um, Infinite uh, app, uh, which has all the old DC back issues, the first seven or eight issues are on there. So I highly recommend it. The second one I have is one that I read a long time ago, but like I like to revisit every now and then called Why I Hate Saturn by Kyle Baker, who is a writer and artist. Um, some of you may remember him as the artist for uh, Captain America Truth which uh, uh, said that the first Captain America was actually black as part of the, the Tuskegee oh. experiments. So like his art is very like exaggerated and cartoony, uh, but Why I Hate Saturn is a like a slice of life dramedy slash absurdist comedy of a woman who lives in New York, works in New York and writes for this like, like very hip magazine and she's got to deal with her stuff. And like her sister may or may not be insane because she thinks that she is from the planet Saturn uh, and so she's got to deal with all that. I don't want to give any way more because it is such a surprising, shocking, uh, wonderful comic a la Scott Pilgrim before Scott Pilgrim ever got published. So absolutely wonderful. And it really captures New York City uh, in the 1990s. Also available on Comixology or you can buy it from your local comic store. I was going to say, Kalen, you think you were getting kickbacks from Comixology. <laughs> it's just like so easily findable and searchable on Comixology. Over 58,000 titles. Bish, I'm an original investor. I am getting a kickback. <laughs> the, the one I was mentioning, Quarter Killer, which was um, Vita and Danny's uh, work, is a Comixology uh, exclusive. Oh. So I had to speak of it. <laughs> well, thank you, Clark. Yeah, there you go. Uh, so my selection uh, was actually Upgrade Soul. So it's written and uh, artist by and drawn by Ezra Clayton Daniels, who actually identifies as mixed race. Uh, the publisher is Lion Forge. It's just a very cool book. We actually read it, I, I want to say a year or two ago as part of our sort of friend group graphic novel brunch club. And it, it really deals, well, the storyline itself is about a uh, more elderly couple that goes in to take an experimental procedure to get you know, their youth back. They're both scientists, um, but they kind of have this ridiculous result. I don't want to super spoil it, but essentially there's like almost copies of them that are not copies of them. And it becomes this kind of ongoing journey of like, what is consciousness? Very sci-fi intensive, but also very focused on emotions and mental states uh, as it pertains to kind of thinking about life, death and all in between. That's the shit I live for. I, I just love anything that will really kind of like take that next level, not like meaning of life type stuff, but really go just beyond and, and the consciousness play and like, is it your soul? Is it your body? Um, I just enjoyed it. And the artwork is just absolutely beautiful um, and just very original. Uh, it, it's super captivating and it's a pretty fast 
um, read in a kind of obviously kind of fully captured story in of itself. So um, would highly recommend. I imagine it's on Comixology. In fact, I know it is because I also did read it on oh. Comixology during our graphic novel brunch club. But if you can get your hands on a physical copy at your local comic store, would also highly recommend it because it's also a great art book and kind of like a great conversation piece to keep on your uh, coffee table. Um, and then just kind of wrapping it up, obviously, you know, this has been a really uh, great month for us kind of going deeper on creators and characters and storylines uh, related to the black community. What we did want to do is give a shout out on the uh, root, the website, the root.com is actually putting together a three part series about the rise of the black superhero and it's kind of going down past, present and future of black superheroes across comics, film and TV. So part one, uh, I think was released this week. We'll be posting it on our social media channels. Definitely take a look. Really cool writing um, and very exciting to uh, see more. And that kind of transitions us into WandaVision. It really doesn't. That doesn't transition. <laughs> well, well. Speaking of the rise of black superheroes. <laughs> you know what? No, we got, we got Monica Rambo. There we go. Yeah. yeah. Well, actually, thank you, Clark. I should have known that myself since I'm the one doing the synopsis. But it is actually a perfect segue because we did see the creation of a black superhero or superheroine on this week's episode of WandaVision. So... WandaVision episode seven picks up right where six left off with Wanda's expanding hex having created a traveling circus of sword agents along with a healed vision and escape artist Darcy. Across town, Wanda embodies a depressed Claire Dunphy to a T along with a great credits and style nod to both modern family and happy ending. Meanwhile, Monica uses a newly outfitted sword rover to break into the hex to dismal results. Instead, she actually just uses her sheer will and quotes from Captain Marvel gaining powers to what will only be nicknamed Photon. In a stalemating standoff, Wanda is whisked away from Photon by Agnes, who plays hard to get with Wanda's kids. Down in Agnes's basement, Wanda finds she's not the only magical girl in town, with everyone's favorite Katherine Hahn revealing that Agnes is, in fact, the rabbit-petting, neighbor-crazying, alternate-dimension brother-resurrecting Agatha all along. So, what did you all think of this week's episode, Kaylin? Well, one, uh, Agatha also bites children, so let's not forget that. <laughs> and she killed Sparky. Yes. So automatically we stand, you know, like a dog killing, children biting uh, person. <laughs> uh, the episode the episode to me, okay, so I think the high points of the series so far are like the fourth and the fifth episodes, uh, the ones where, you know, you see Monica come back from the snap and then the following episode, where you see the revelation of Pietro being the one from the X-Men films. This episode I thought was good, but it didn't cap like really like grab me until the very end mm. where you had, you saw Agnes's heel turn and it's so over the top. It's Catherine Hahn chewing the scenery. You know, Agatha all along is immediately an earworm. Like I am living for every version of it. I want the remix for the dance floor when we can finally go back to the clubs. Uh, the Munsters-esque, like, sort of opening uh, uh, was so good. Um, I, I, that really, like, sold the episode for me. Other than that, I thought it was okay. The, the, uh, the, the pastiche of Modern Family, Happy Endings, The Office, like, all of that was fine. It just feels so recent that I didn't enjoy it as much as, say, the Malcolm in the Middle, Family Ties, Bewitched, all that, you know, uh, uh, um, Brady Bunch, all that kind of stuff. But I did think um, Elizabeth Olsen was doing her best 
uh, Julie Bowen uh, yeah. impression ever. Like just having this exasperated, mommy needs to just rest her eyes. Mommy <laughs> needs you to just go away. Look, I thought that was, I thought she did a nice job, but the episode was like a little eh for me. This finally brought me to a place where I think Darcy works in this situation. She's not just annoying as fuck and up her own ass. I thought it, it I don't know, her dry wit worked off of Vision really well because he's usually dry as fuck too. And somehow he, she was, I, she felt drier to me than he did. Oh yeah, totally. Situation. So it kind of like brought him alive with humor that I don't usually get. And it's not usually, and then other episodes, it was like humor based on like dad jokes. This one just yeah. felt like humor based for just, organic humor which i liked um as we already said that the over the topness of agatha was perfect it's not just you know she looks up and smirks and she looks up wildly shakes her head smirks <laughs> looks back down at like a fucking menu or something or like a pamphlet and then looks back up and does more wild head shake smirks and i'm like jesus christ how much <laughs> bobbing and weaving can you do each time in these six 10 second little like vignettes it was so good and stupid and i loved it i'm so glad you called that out because both her moment in the car while vision's talking to her <laughs> and she's dressed as the witch and also at the magic show yeah particularly when she because she like looks down opens the pamphlet shakes her head multiple times i'm just like god you're <laughs> giving me so much life uh she she has really Catherine Hans really solidified herself as a gay icon in this show because it's just so fucking funny and weird and wacky and i think the reveal totally worked even it's it's even more impressive that it worked so well given how much we kind of already assumed that was yeah. likely to happen especially with the name like agnes and especially being a weird neighbor inside this hex like you were kind of just waiting for the cards to fall but the way they did it and then also to kind of reveal that she was the cause of um Quicksilver. Quicksilver coming back, like just very, very cool. And I, you know, I, I definitely have a dissenting opinion on this episode. I completely understand why it probably didn't hit as hard for many people and just reviews in general. Uh, people kind of said it was like a good kind of lead in episode to obviously what is going to build up to a penultimate and then a big final climax. I just, I liked the mystery of this kind of like really, this like unstoppable train almost like you can watch all the cards falling into place and it was just kind of exciting and as much as i think i agree with you clark i did really like darcy in this and i know like that was most people were harping on the vision darcy segments not really or even the playbacks to like the claire dunphy-esque character of, of wanda this time not really playing out but i i really liked uh vision's conversation with the modern family-esque camera crew when he's just like, wait, what the fuck am I doing here? This is just another obstacle. And I, I just thought it was like kind of fun, but I, I can definitely say that it, it was, I'm actually afraid because I know my uh, boyfriend Andrew had talked, you know, before any of these episodes aired, it was like seven and eight are going to be like the episodes. And I think it's going to be a lot of the exposition as opposed to the momentum. So that's what I'm a little bit concerned about. Like obviously the next episode's probably going to deal a lot more with like, explaining what's really happening so i just hope they kind of keep up that pace of excitement versus just more and more storyline and slowing us down a bit because the mystery has certainly helped a lot um and i i just kind of hope they you know don't have a very quick answer but also don't spend an hour as these episodes are getting longer spend an hour just saying what was happening behind the scenes kind of thing kayla 
No, I completely agree with that. But can we talk a little bit about how long the closing credits have been for every episode? There've been like 10 minutes where you're like, oh, this episode's 40 minutes. It ends at, epi- <laughs> yeah. it ends at yeah. minute 30 and then it goes 40 minutes. So this time around, they actually did have a sort of a mid-credit scene, but it was kind of underwhelming. Like it was just like Monica, uh, Monica, who was wonderful in the episode. We haven't really talked about her. I did like her little superhero stance when she gets into uh, Westview. Uh, uh, Very, very Iron Man-esque. But um, her kind of stooping around Agnes's house, Agatha's house, excuse me. And then Mm -hmm. Pietro coming up, it's like, oh, you're like creeping around her or whatever he says. Like, mm, I was like, oh, that's it. Like, did that really need like a mid credit sequence? It was just uh-uh, very like underwhelming. Uh, I agree. It was, it, was a, it was a dud for me as well. I wonder if it was mainly just to confirm that like Quicksilver wasn't just an illusion or at least like is going to like lead for the rest of the show. Cause I know he kind of like disappeared after she shot uh, lasers at him in the last episode or I guess whatever her manipulation powers are, which are never yeah. super defined. Um, but yeah, as a mid credit scene and like a very close to end episode where something dramatic has just been revealed, not, it was, it was as, uh, what was it called? It was as satisfying a mid credit sequence as that woman being the like systems analyst contact that Monica had, as opposed to a fantastic, you know, Reed Richards or anyone else to kind of actually fill in that blank. So I like I like that. I'm glad it wasn't like it wasn't like oh my god, this now they're revealing Reed or like it's Carol's come back. It's like oh, it's just this random person that she's close to. That's cool. Uh, from from a favorite moments perspective, I definitely will shout out sort of Monica's photon transformation. I think what a great show, and they've been doing such a good job of obviously establishing this character in the MCU for hopefully long term payoff. And just, it's so nice to have an origin story that takes place as part of a larger universe. And this, this happened obviously with Black Panther and Civil War as well. I mean, obviously he had his own like real full storyline, but I just love the idea of keep, and, of, and even Wanda actually had her own inside of a movie. Like, I just want more of this where they're generating new characters inside of movies that have moving plots. Like I just, the MCU will really ultimately eat itself if it's constantly focused on if it keeps creating any more individual origin stories, like I just don't, Spider-Man too, like I just don't think it works. And I think this is another good example of how if they can tie it into a larger storyline, it just ends up paying off so many more dividends and it's just exciting uh, on both regards because you get the full character origin, but it's also a fully momentum plot, not just someone learning a lesson in character development kind of thing. Do you, do you know what I realize that I hate from the, this series not that i hate from this series but i hate what marvel does i do not like glowing eyes at all <laughs> I, I hated her glowing blue eyes and i was like why does this sound familiar and i realized i despised when captain marvel had her glowing yellow eye bullshit yeah. and then i hate hulk's green eyes like it, they're all so phony looking <laughs> colored like give me blue eyes that don't look like some sort of chipped ice alien it's so freaky and i hate it it reminds me of like in the 90s and, and the early aughts when everybody had like colored contact lenses yes. to like and it was mostly and I can say this because I'm South Asian it was like a lot of like South Asian uh, kids who did it because like most of us have like you know brown or black eyes and like it's like oh I could have blue eyes I could have green eyes I could have like you know purple eyes and like I was like this looks so so it looked chintzy back then and it certainly looks chintzy in the context of superhero uh, stories 
I had a friend, African-American friend, uh, 2003, who had contacts that were all black and then they had like red striations in them. So he literally looked like some sort of demon and he would take <laughs> them out to the gay bars. And I was like, what is going on here? Yeah, so I thought about I bet, that. I, I bet he got a lot of ass out of it though. He did, he actually did. Good job. Yep, yep. <laughs> <laughs> People like that, you know, that yeah. satanic stuff. Cobalt, especially if anyone, no, no, if there's this, any DC listener. This was this was Apex slash Badlands. Oh God, yeah, that long ago. That's yeah. funny. We were underage, you see. <laughs> <laughs> they were as it was at enough, the time, yeah, with some little eggs on hands. Um, Easter eggs. So obviously there was a Nexus commercial. Um, obviously multiverse, so on and so forth. Uh, any any thoughts on that? Any kind of particular takeaways for you all on that or any other Easter eggs you saw? Well, I think Brent brought this up off podcast and I, I wish he could be here to talk about it, but um, how each commercial throughout the all seven episodes like kind of deal with like Wanda's, um, like her traumas, you know, like the first mm-hmm. one is, um, the first one is the toaster, right? And so that's yeah, like the, the stark bomb, the stark bomb um, in Sokovia. Then it's the the Strucker watch, and it was like the experiments that Baron Strucker did on his, uh, her and Pietro. Uh, the sponge, uh, the Hydra sponge, um, the uh, the the fucking gogurt, like that, like on the, on the island. <laughs> yo magic, yeah, yo magic. I'm I'm sure I'm missing one. So I think like it just kind of like uh, hits all those points. And the Nexus to me it could be like the Nexus of realities, but it, I think it also refers to the, the current hex that she's in. So this is the yeah. latest trauma that she's going through. What are the next commercials going to be? Ooh, I don't know. That's the thing I'm wondering, because like, I don't know if so we got two episodes left, right? So, yeah. and they're probably going to be hour long, hopefully. Uh, and so I don't think they're going to do any more of the like homages to sitcoms. Mm-hmm. Or, or commercials, but I could also be wrong. I, I, think, you're, I think you're right, Kaylin, because especially in the end sequence, it, uh, the, they are just the masters of uh, the ratio, like the viewing ratio. Because at the end, when she's going into the basement, the aspect ratio changes again. So it goes to the she's in the real world kind of moment, I believe. Because uh, the full widescreen, that was the Modern Family take and then we got the black bars again, instituting that she was kind of obviously in the hex, but also I guess maybe, especially in this, the basement that she's in in Ag- Agatha's house may not actually be part of it or like protected from the hex, but it definitely changed right at the last minute. So, you know, we if, if she ends up leaving that basement and it turns into, you know, she's still trapped in her own hex, we probably could see some more, but I do think like, as much as I did love the, I continue to love the references, there's nothing left. Like, I mean, Modern Family and uh, Happy Endings were like now. So like, what, I don't really know what else they would do. So I'm hoping they kind of just keep the engine running on just this being the real world kind of movie um, and, and keeping up that pace and excitement. Cause with such a reveal like this, they can't afford to slow down in my, in my mind, Kaylin. So I got a question for y'all. So fast forward to Halloween, we actually get Halloween this year, unlike last year, which Agatha slash Agnes are you going as I'm definitely oh, I know you want to be 80s uh, Agnes Kalen but I want to <laughs> be 80s Agnes here <laughs> all right fine I we'll just, fight it out I, it was just I loved her sitting on like it, 
her the fucking like just sitting on the picnic table or the picnic like having a picnic with uh quicksilver outside i just thought yeah. it was so fucking funny and what an easy it's really the easiest costume too because all i have to do is carry a blanket around with you like you killed sparky and it really sells i will actually i'll give you 80s because i'll be 60s agnes because i just love her like do and like just having like you know senior scratchy with her and just being you know the the wacky neighbor you can you can have the sex pot neighbor <laughs> What, what about you, Clark? Do you have one? What, which one do I have to? Oh, I wanted to be 60s. You get 90s, I'll be, you get 90s I'll be the or... one with that. What does it say on her butt? Juicy or something horrible? <laughs> <laughs> what? Which one from was the, that? From the 2000s one. It was the one, the Malcolm in the Middle one, where she was like oh, in the fridge right. and she had like emblazoned on her ass. That'll be me. There you go. That's okay. All right. Very, um, very, all right. Juicy, juicy couture. My I'm last question is Rabbit. Is the Rabbit Mephisto or not? What are we thinking? It's her familiar. Yeah. So you think she's really the big bad? You don't think there's going to be another big bad? I, I think it'll... I feel... Sorry. Oh, go, go ahead, Clark. Oh, uh, I think it'll I'm lead the... into... Uh, sorry, <laughs> we'll figure this out. Uh, uh, it, I think it's going to lead... The real big bad will lead into uh, Multiverse of, uh, of right. Madness. Um, but, like, I think it, that'll it'll set it up for that. But I think she is the quote-unquote big bad of this season. Yeah, I, everyone keeps saying Mephisto, and I mean, from the get-go, I, I mean, it could easily happen, but this is on Disney+, Plus, and I don't think they're just going to have someone that looks exactly like the devil just show up on a Disney Plus show and be like, must, mustache-twirling bad guy. Seems very strange, but Kalen. I was going to say, The Simpsons are on Disney+, Plus, and you've got Ned yeah, Flanders but, as the devil, you've but got Homer that is one in, like, episode. the devil costume. That, no, 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 that is one episode, and it is not an original series done by Disney that's coming, that's being created in 2021. I knew you were going to say that, so uh, Fantasia had, like, the demonic guy with the All bat right. wings. Cherniborg, who, as I was reading today, he was literally just a guy who was having a party. He just That's like right. goes up out of the mountain, plays some music, and all the ghosts just dance, and then they go back to bed. He's not a bad dude. But anyways, that is also not a movie or creation from 2021 <laughs> that Disney Plus just created. Yeah. Just easily, uh, I mean, if anything, we, you know, the, uh, the Easter egg I saw was, you know, the Dark Hold is obviously shown there. And yes. that, that is, is tied to Mephisto, but also tied to, I don't even know how to fucking pronounce it. It's whatever their version of Cthulhu is. So Cthon. Oh, uh uh, who's the one who actually you know was involved in creating wanda's powers in the comics anyways are involved in that whole process yeah that actually makes a lot more sense to me too because i i like that i do find it interesting that they're bringing the dark hold back so soon after having been in i think what is it, it was it was Mar uh, Field, like two seasons ago yeah um but no one saw yeah, that, all so that cares. yeah none of that matters uh <laughs> i was gonna say uh on a kind of a semi-serious note and i hope this isn't true Maybe they don't do like a demonic character like Mephisto because they're worried about QAnon, like trying to like um, uh, <laughs> like boycott their shit because it's like all a bunch of like you yeah. know oh Disney's part of the, the satanic pedophilic you know yeah. whatever it's bullshit it's dumb but like I can see somebody at Disney going eh, let's just like like you have plenty of other villains that you could do it without using Mephisto so I still, uh, want, I still want Nightmare Nightmare is my number one for Nightmare would be great for um doctor strange movie yeah yeah i definitely i really hope they reveal that there is somebody else but they don't do it in obviously like there's two episodes left keep it exactly where it stays set it up for the movie but like yeah i do want it to be a nice open close sequence for this show and her journey 
um, and Vision's journey as well. I did, I kept thinking every time I hear Mephisto, now I wish I still had Grinder because I just like the idea of, I, there's no real joke here, but I'm just like, you Fisto, Mephisto too. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah. Okay. Please let that not be Mephisto then, you fucking weirdo. Oh my God. Your poor boyfriend. I'm so, I'm, I'm going to write him like a sympathy note or something. I thought this was going to be a blown out asshole joke. Oh, well, it well, could be if you like Mephisto too. Yeah. <laughs> All right, All let's right. go on to comics. <laughs> let's go on I was going to say, how can we transition? Um, blown out assholes, comic Speaking books. Speaking of Mephisto, the children of the vault. No, the vault. Mean? The vault is a, like the blown out asshole. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> All right. Now that we've really go. overly spelled it out, go. <laughs> All right. So uh, we've got um, uh, X Men number eighteen by Jonathan Hickman and Mahmoud Asrar. It's a follow-up to uh, the fifth issue of this series. And also uh, just a quick plug for our most recent podcast, uh, Class X, The Children of the Vault. If you're looking for more background Children of the Vault, definitely check out that episode. But in this issue, we've got Laura slash Wolverine slash X-23, Sink and Darwin. We see them actually going inside the vault uh, and they're on a mission to basically get reconnaissance and neutralize the threat uh, uh, from uh, of the children. It's a very slight issue, but I really, really enjoyed it because it gave a couple of really cool revelations. One, we found out that Sink, whose powers are being able to mimic other mutants' powers, find we find out that he can actually mimic one of the children's powers. So like that is, that's like a, like a game changer. And we find out also in the issue that he came back augmented because he was the first of the resurrected mutants uh, when the resurrection protocols went into effect. And then second, I think everybody remembers one of the main laws of Krakoa are kill no human. Uh, But Professor X and the Quiet Council, they ultimately determined that the children of the vault are so far off from humans and they're so powerful and such a threat that um, they, uh, they don't even qualify as human anymore. So that law doesn't apply to them. So uh, Sink, uh, you know, doing what he did doesn't mean that he's going to be put into the same uh, pit that Sabretooth was in. What do you guys think? I liked it. Uh, I think I agree with it. It's a bit, because we had just done classics this week, uh, I was like excited for a lot more information. We didn't really get a lot of it, but it doesn't mean it was a bad issue. I really enjoyed it. I loved kind of getting, I've only seen Darwin a little bit uh, because I kind of missed out on his time when he was like a lot more focused. Uh, And then I know Sync from Gen X, but not super well. I thought they both had good characterization. They played well with uh, Laura. I just thought it was a really good, good issue overall. It was very cool. Uh, What I was gonna say is like, it's a really nice combination of those like update pages, like the kind of written ones Mm -hmm. with what's happening in the story. I thought that's like the coolest use of like, we're not going to have someone expository go over what's happening. We'll just simply give you like a quick page to update through other means. So I thought it was like a very fun, immersive kind of read. Um, I really want to know what's happening. And I really hope that it isn't as easy as it seems. Cause it seems like almost all of the, <laughs> the vault on level two or restored level one are all dead. And I'm like, okay, this seemed like a real fast, <laughs> like, considering how much of a buildup there was for them being yeah. behind in that vault for so long, I was like, please do not immediately make an end. Like, give me much more to this storyline. I, I, as we talked about in classics, I love these characters. I want them to become more prominent overall. It may not be, 
you know, in 19 and 20, but like, don't lose out and just close this chapter as like an easy episode of the week type thing. Yeah, yeah I didn't really expect Serafina to be the one to like die immediately, just getting <laughs> splashed. I feel like she should have better abilities. She is also the only child level three at that point of the five of them. Um, I, I liked it enough. It didn't really hit me. And Caitlin's going to talk about something else that will connect to it. But I don't know. I just felt like it. I was wondering last time whether there is going to they, they had been resurrected or not. And I guess they're resurrected. And that's another connection they have with mutants. But I don't know if that's going to continue or what. It's just kind of nebulous in that respect. But we'll find out in the next issue. Yes. Kaylin. Well, what I, I do hope we find out in the next issue. I don't remember the solicitations <laughs> for number 19 or 20. But like um, knowing Hickman's sort of M.O., he tends to like kind of jump around from different storylines. So, and I know like in June, we're supposed to get that Hellfire Gala and a bunch of the books and like the, the X-Men team actually gets unveiled. So he's only got a few months hopefully to deal with this. Um, the other thing, um, you know, the other two things I wanted to mention, uh, one of which is um, I think the children have their own resurrection protocol. So like yeah. Serafina being like, you know, done with so quickly is going to be, like, I'm like, oh, okay, but then maybe her dying will get her to, like, I don't even know if there's beyond, anything beyond level three, maybe a level four, and the other ones who were killed off who were level two, maybe they can uh, ascend to level three. Uh, yeah. the, uh, uh, one thing that I found interesting, especially having reread Supernovas and even, uh, uh, col is it Collider? Collision. Is the other one? Or Collision? Collision, Collision, Collision. yeah. Uh, Collision, thank you. Uh, that there was no involvement of Rogue whatsoever. Like wow. she dealt with them both times, you know, one as the leader of her like own band of X-Men and supernovas. And then second, when she's, you know, her and Magneto are taking some of the younger mutants over to Mumbai for, to deal with Indra's family, like, um, like Cyclops didn't say, Hey rogue, you've actually dealt with these folks. Like, can you give us some Intel or even like a, uh, like a splash page or not a splash page, an info page, of like Sage talking to Rogue and like they're, you know, it's like, here's what you need to know about the children of the vault. Boom, 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 boom. They're, they're like, they're not to be messed with. Like, you know, take all precautions. This is what I had to deal with. Like, I think that would have been a great way to like recap folks, but uh, uh, Jonathan Hickman, you're welcome. We recapped everybody else for you through class X. <laughs> and then- I, uh, I was just saying, I don't know where Cora Ghidorah is. She was so underutilized in Collision and then never utilized again. Like it just, and I do. I appreciate the original five of of Trip to the Vault. So I'm glad they are focusing on mm -hmm. them. They're definitely the most interesting and unique, except for Fishbowl Kadena. I hope she makes her return at some point. Yes, please. Oh, I she's said. great. She's like my favorite. Her and Serafina are my two favorite visuals. Uh, the last thing I'll bring up, and Clark alluded to this, was um, you know we when we talked about on Class X, why Hickman is picking up on. Mike Carey's uh, work, who, you know, Mike Carey is the one who created the Children of the Vault uh, along with Chris Bacalo. Uh, no other X writer did. Uh, Clark reminded me that in when Hickman wrote The Ultimates back in the like early teens, uh, like around 2011, 2012, 2013, he um, made there an, uh, like another version of the children in the Ultimate Universe. And they were, uh, not mutants, they were like an offshoot of humanity, but the person responsible for it was the evil Reed Richards from that universe, uh, AKA the maker who has made his transition into the 616. Uh, and so 
it's like him trying to deal with this storyline in the in the regular Marvel universe, but like kind of handle it in his own way. Uh, if you haven't read that storyline, I'm not going to recap it for you, but definitely check it out. It is not my favorite Hickman run. Uh, <laughs> I think it goes on for too long. I think my biggest problem with the Ultimate Universe was like, oh, we can do whatever we want. So like everybody just dies. Cities get destroyed. Spoiler alert, but Washington, D.C. gets blown up. You know, uh, it's like, okay, cool. Like if you can just, if, if like everything's like, uh, um, if everything can die, then nothing can die. It's one of those kind of things, you know, it's like if you're raising the stakes that high, like why does it even matter? Um, and also I think by that point, and even now I'm just sort of sick of the ultimate versions of the Marvel characters with the exception of Miles Morales, who is an amazing creation. And I'm glad they migrated him over to the 616. Um. Yeah. The other thing that connects that I didn't realize, remember on the first issue, the first cover um, of, of Hawks and Pox, I believe, that Xavier has what looks like the maker's helmet on. Ah. Yeah. Which now that I knew that fucking thing, I didn't, didn't did not know that he created the maker. So now it kind of yeah. makes sense. So maybe that'll come I did. into play at some point, or maybe he just wanted to have a cool hat. <laughs> Yeah, uh, and Brent is the one who actually made that observation when we were reviewing Hawks and Fox way back when. Mm. Uh, and I didn't realize that until I read the Ultimate Issues because Reed Richards existed. They, like, in some issue, some major storyline, they either killed him off or they made him evil or both. And then, like, when the, the makers introduced and there was, like, a revelation in, like, one issue, um, like, issue number 14 or something of, of that volume of the Ultimates, it's revealed to be Reed Richards and it's like, Oh my God, he's the bad guy now. Okay. So, but yeah, it's clearly Hickman. Hickman definitely um, references some of his older work in Marvel. Uh, like he created Gorgon and secret warriors uh, or wait, was, was Gorgon created in enemy of the state for Wolverine? I can never remember. Um, yeah. It was Wolverine. I, I don't, sometime. It was, Wolverine. it was definitely in Wolverine. Uh, so I take that back, but he would definitely used him in Secret Warriors, uh, but then like stuff that he's used in like Avengers, New Avengers, he created Manifold um, and he's, you know, he brought him uh, back in, in, into Sword. So he definitely references stuff and he definitely repeats certain things, but not so much that it's annoying like other writers do. So uh, Clark, I think uh, you've got a little something I've for us something. based on so this is a prompt that, this is, No, no, no. This is a prompt I did not give you. So this is something new and you never know it. So <laughs> science, scientists have shoved 3,000 people into a vault. For what should be millennia, the technology that accelerates their evolution is based on you and your personality. So I have a few questions um, that you've never heard of before. Um, what abominations come out? And as we know with the Children of the Vault, they were talking about levels one, two, and three. What is what are the power levels and powers of the children, your children, children of the Kalen, etc. For ch uh, levels one, <laughs> two, and three, what's your city like? And are those children gonna fuck and kill some people up? Oh, uh, Adam, you want to go first? Or you want me to? I think you should go first, Caleb. All right, I'm gonna be super self-aware here. <laughs> so my children, my children, not only are they monsters, uh, they're monsters who constantly think they're right. Like oh, there is no argument that can dissuade them from their point of view. Um, they've got stacks of evidence. So like level one is like, oh, I saw this on Twitter. So here's my evidence. Level two is like, I saw this on Vox. And so here's my evidence, like Vox.com. 
Level three is I'm a contributor on, on MSNBC and here's why you're wrong. And they are utter like pedants. They are just like awful, 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 awful. And the way that they kill you is just by you being like, fine, I give up. I'm going to just fucking kill myself because I can't hear you talk anymore. <laughs> well, I bet your city's pretty sleek. Yeah, what's your city like? Oh, my city is like super sleek. It's like, uh, you know, there's like uh, really well-run bodegas on some corners. Uh, U Street Music Hall has reopened, which is, for those of you who don't live in D.C., that is a, uh, a club that had to close because of COVID. Uh, wonderful gay bars, great restaurants, uh, a lot of good fast casual stuff. Um, and it's it's well-run. Uh, it's well-designed. Uh, no traffic problems. Um, Pedestrian-friendly. Uh, but it's pedantic as fuck, just like it's denizens. <laughs> So uh, I'll do. I'll, I'll oh yeah. Do oh, uh, so uh, the children of the Clark. I've decided uh, the city itself is going to be. <laughs> I love that name. It, it's <laughs> kind of very. Um, well, yours is going to be children of the Adam. So yeah. Oh. Anyways, um, so my it's a very pan-European city. So I was thinking like you know Dubrovnik has those like red clay tiles, so that kind of thing. But then suddenly random. Irish thatch, thatch cottages and stuff like that. But then basically, besides that, it's just half Christmas markets and half ramen shops, but then also <laughs> just like half bombed out trash areas where there's literally nothing going on. And everyone's alone. Some really fucked up gay club that just shows up for no reason. It is Berlin. <laughs> it's Berlin. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, in a way. Um, that actually is very true. I do love Berlin. Um, so I was thinking for the power set. So basically level one, they're just kind of skilled at things that have no value and are just stupid and pointless. Like they're really good at blowing dandelion fluff and just creating <laughs> accidental and sometimes purposeful incest in The Sims. And they're really good at making Marvel Legends characters have really sexy poses. And <laughs> so like for an example, like they might have Cyclops who has his hand on a wall and then his ass is out and he's slapping it. Oh my or God. maybe he has um, Beta Ray Bill with like his, his hammer like between his legs and the thing sticking up and he's almost <laughs> like filleting himself. So maybe kind of like that stuff. I'm not sure though. And then um, I, I didn't do any thinking into this no, at no. all. And then, then they're also really good at catching buses. And number two is, um, so they get to power level two and it, it's all about how good they are at just being socially awkward as fuck. So, you know, like they're really good at just hurling conversation bombs into a room without really realizing you're doing it. So maybe one of them is like hanging out with two guys at a restaurant and they're like really good friends, but one of them has a husband and then, then a said person happens to mention um, like, <laughs> my god oh, that's good. <laughs> happens to me like build, you built this entire <laughs> thing just to tell this story clark <laughs> so like, <laughs> what happened to oh that my god. you know like what what's going on with that swedish guy you were talking with and then the other guy who has a husband like freaks out and stomps out of the restaurant and you're like what's going on and you realize like they're kind of seeing each other even though they're friends and he's got a husband and the other guy's sleeping with some guy in Sweden and you're like, what's going on? And then you also realize that you blew a threesome that was supposed to be happening that you didn't know was going to happen. <laughs> so anyways, that that's kind of like what his, what these that's characters- That's level two. <laughs> level two, level. Level three I... is kind of like, 
if if you know someone's evil or you just fucking despise somebody, you just they just straight up murder them. But then sometimes they accidentally kill people who are like nice and good. You know, like in movies where someone like like a science like oh gosh, let's see, like a secret agent or something. But he's like a really fumbling, bumbling one, and he bends down to like tie his shoe, and someone who's trying to kill him like misses and trips over and like gets hit by a train. So that's what their power is, is just accidentally getting people killed all the time by tying their shoe. Oh my God. Those, these temporal accelerations are terrifying. Yeah. I do uh, like your city though. I would definitely go to that city. Yeah, I was like, that sounds so like a normal city. Um, in the Children of the Atom, when you open the vault, <laughs> uh, you see a very like, over neon, over hue lit area where there's just constant like good bass techno going on, like fun dance remixes of everyone's like gayest songs. Um, but people aren't dressed up like they're going to the club because they're already there, but they're in their sweatpants and they're in their <laughs> t-shirts and they're just having a good time hanging out and they're level ones are terrible puns. There's lots of bad jokes that everyone finds funny, even though they don't want to. Uh, level two is blowing smoke rings out of a hookah. And uh, level three is, I thought I had a level three. Um, it's, I don't know. Oh, making nachos. Yeah, when you've perfected your... <laughs> <laughs> when you reach the full apex <laughs> as a child of the atom, you are exceptional at using leftovers from a cabin trip to put together a delicious nacho and or anything that involves some sort of grain with some sort of meat and then some sort of cheese on it to put in the oven to bake for about 30 minutes and then you take out and enjoy it. Um, yeah, I, it's hey. funny. It's, I, I laughed so hard because I was describing this. I was like, fuck, yes, I want to live in that bar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm really excited for this one, too. <laughs> okay, I, I, I love this prompt so much. Like, even though Brent and Ryan aren't here, can we can we create ones for them? Because oh, I, no. I yeah, go, think go I've got... All right, so for Brent, it it's... It's Munich, essentially. So, you know, going back to Germany, yep. but it's yeah. not Munich. It's just one long, like, Oktoberfest table in one of those tents. It's just mm -hmm. that. Everybody has to wear lederhosen. Like, that's their thing. Everybody has to have a stein of, like, Kolsch or uh, Polliner or, like, some other, like, German beer. Uh, you know, there's, like, you know, uh, currywurst and, like, pretzels and, like, you know, all kinds of, like, German food just everywhere. But like a level one is um, like, if you think, you know, the children of Kalen are pedantic, oh, wait till you meet the children of Brent. Uh, <laughs> they're like, um, he will well actually you to death. So that's level one. Uh, level two uh, will make you brunch, but will take so long that you starve to death. Um, uh, and then- uh, Yeah, but he got the tomatoes at a local market. They're worth waiting for. That's true. They just, he just, you know, he's going to take a little longer. Uh, level three is just him. Hey, have you seen my husband? Um, oh, no. Oh. All right. 
Uh, what, right. about, so what about Ryan? Cra- Crawl's Ryan. three levels are just uh, it's loud, louder, and yeah. then he- like video drone head explosion. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I want just like every three seconds, there's just a horrible piercing scream <laughs> at all times. <laughs> He, it's, well, actually, no, they made a movie of what his vault looks like. It's the movie from the 90s, Scanners. Do you remember that movie where there was, like, no. those replica people that would, like, yeah. run around and scream and, like, I was, they didn't hide in the dirt. I think I'm thinking of Tremors, but I thought there was also, there was also some level of, <laughs> I thought there was also some level of scanner that was also like in the dirt while they were also replicants. I don't know. That movie no, I'm just going to think about Ryan hiding in some dirt. <laughs> All right. What? Oh my God. Oh my God. So for Ryan, Ryan City is just one big bottomless brunch and he just blacks out. Oh yeah. He is the, he is the bottomless brunch queen. Um, well, that actually, he it's the three levels of Ryan drunk. It's fun, angry, really angry for no reason. <laughs> God, all right. Well, yeah, he's bringing up shit that you you haven't done yet, but you will likely do in the future. He's like clairvoyant. That's uh, that, right. This is all insider info for our fans because they're not going to listen to this podcast. So let's move on. <laughs> <to the next. laughs> all right. So we had two more comics that came out this week, also in The Reign of X, New Mutants number... 16 by Vita Ayala and Rod Reese, and Wolverine number 10, uh, Benjamin Percy and Adam Kubert. New Mutants is uh, such a delightful title. Um, yes. You still, you see the mutants, some of like, you know, still being swayed by the Shadow King, the younger ones. Uh, in one of my favorite subplots, you have like a bunch of like younger mutants who are basically doing adventure traveling over to Otherworld, because, you know, like that's something that would like stupid kids would do by going to a place that, hey, if you die here, you're not going to come back the way that you were. Like, I, I love that kind of like that, like that, that world building, that conceit right there. Um, uh, one of them uh, whose name I don't even remember. It's like, his name is Jake or something like that. Uh, like basically decides to like stay in other world. And he's like hopping from uh, like realm to realm. And so both Danny and, um, and Karma, they end up going uh, into Otherworld to try to like find out where he is, bring him back to Krakoa. They get trapped by Merlin in uh, the Holy Republic of Fae, um, which is, as I've described before, when we were talking about Town of Sword, it is basically a mix of like the Spanish Inquisition and when the High Sparrow takes over King's Landing. It's very much a theocracy and it's like very, very like, you know, authorita- authoritarian. Um, and you see from Rain that uh, her son may not, may not actually be dead, and so she's freaking out. She's trying to get help from uh, from uh, Zion, but like she's obviously not there because she went off with uh, with Danny. So um, the character work in this book, for the most part, is so fucking good. And this is, as I've said before, the New Mutants title that should have been there from the very beginning. Yeah. Clark. So- since you just said that is for the most part good, I've got two things to say. Um, first, I'll start with the bad two first. Um, it is mostly really well done, and I think characterization is really well done and very smart with the characters, except for the fact that Anal should not have been doing what he's... His character is a million percent off. He should not be kind of quasi-involved with some 
bullying-ish behavior. Mm-hmm. You know, when Scout is like upset that she might have died from it, and he's like, "It wasn't that big of a deal." And I'm like, "Fuck you! You thought you were die- you died in fucking inferno, and you got your arm chopped off, and blah blah blah. It's not a big deal. Fuck you." <laughs> and then I don't think no girl's written right, or she shouldn't be a choice either. She has already lost and gained. She's already gained a body and sacrificed it because of the negative connotations it had. So I don't think that it, when she says like, oh my God, I've got a body I can climb and blah, blah, blah. I was like, but you've had this before. This is not, no, this is not right. But I wish that different characters had said those lines because they're smart lines to be going on with the story, but those two should not have been doing it. Um, the other thing is that the two pages where Danny and karma are on the horse in like the sepia tone um and they like see the rabbit and everything are fucking stunning rod reese um those are just absolutely gorgeous pages i want to see an entire issue that's just in that style the entire time it was it was breathtaking yeah i had, Fantastic. A, good I had a good time with the issue as well i didn't have any major like takeaways it's a fun interesting plot i think you're both right that like uh, again, character, full character arc development, voices, notwithstanding as a kind of like not as serious fan, Clark, I, I enjoyed it. I will say I don't have any like takeaway moments from it. Like, boy, that really blew my mind. But I, I continue to be excited where the story's going. I love uh, Shadow King. Um, and it's just, it's just like a fun, interesting take on... It just feels very focused on the characters themselves, which I really enjoy. Because I think a few other books are like weird about pushing plots that we we talk about that a lot. Where it's like it's a lot of plot narr- like plot movement, but the characters are completely uninteresting. And I think this is kind of the opposite. Where I'm not like excited to see where the where, what's going to happen in the plot, but I am kind of having a great time just reading about these interactions. And I think the artwork is also beautiful. Yeah. I want Vita to take over both Excalibur and X-Factor so badly now yeah. uh, because yes. they um, they did such a nice job with Otherworld like I love the the like the big page of Jamie Braddock looking yes. creepy as fuck like that is exactly what Jamie Braddock should be and like Rod Reese of course killed it uh, in that panel along with the pages that Clark mentioned but also uh, Rain going uh, to uh, the Boneyard to talk to both uh, Prodigy and iBoy like, I love the way that Vita wrote them. Like, I'm like, my God, like, you've got a better grasp of these characters than, you know, both Leah Williams and even to a certain degree, Teeny Howard. Although Teeny, in my opinion, has gotten much better. It's like whenever she's yeah. not writing the Excalibur team, it's great. You know, <laughs> I, even, I, I, I even like the way Vita wrote uh, Richter. Like, yeah. I like Richter's, you know, like that kind of like, you know, he's just kind of a world going on. Like, these kids just fucking ran off and like, you know, they went into the other world. Um, I like, it's just, it's such a, a lovely, lovely book um, with, and I, I do agree with some of Clark's um, criticism there. I, I, it's not a perfect book, but uh, just comparing it to what the Ed Brishen issues were, oh. my God, it is just like, you right. know, leaps and bounds over that. So the last book we had was Wolverine number 10, and it's a fine, competently uh, written, beautifully illustrated comic, but unfortunately it came out the same week as X-Men number 18, where you had Laura as Wolverine. And I just want Laura as Wolverine. Uh, like I'm sick of Logan. Like like Percy has his voice down. I just don't care about his voice anymore. Um, like I I I liked the action of like him and Maverick, like you know, fighting their way out of um, um, uh, the the auction house that we talked about last time. 
Um, I did have some, a couple of weird things. One, like Agent Ramirez, who's the, the CIA agent uh, who was in the wheelchair, um, where she, in the info page, you know, she's going back and forth with her, with her superiors. And she's saying, well, you know, yeah, I didn't, I didn't uh, think that Wolverine was going to be a factor. I'm like, bitch, like you're part of like central intelligence. Like, <laughs> you know, if Maverick is involved, Wolverine will be there. Like, do you not understand like the Krakoa is its own superpower now? Like you have, like, it's, it just like completely took me out of the book that like she said that, like she didn't anticipate Wolverine being a factor. And then the other thing that I thought was a little weird and I wish they'd found a way to integrate it more is, um, you know, like they're in Madripoor. I wish there was some reference to like the Verendi kids or some reference to the, to uh, Marauders yeah. because in the, in last week's issue, we have, you know, the Marauders like and Emma Frost, like, you know, creating hospitals, buying all these slums and turning them around and like making it very mutant friendly and like, like no reference to that whatsoever. Did I make it up or did, was it one of those shitty mutant hellfire turds at the, um, <laughs> they were in the, the auction, auction last episode week. before episode last, issue. Yeah. Yeah. They were not last week, the last no, issue. Yeah. 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 Issue. yeah it was yeah. a, it was definitely a, a little bit of a dead for me. I don't know. I mean, it was still competent. Like you said, competently, nothing was wrong with it. It just, I didn't really care. I'm pulling the Clark card. It's like, yeah, it was fine. I didn't care. Um, Maverick. It, it, I think, I just don't think there's necessarily an interesting mercenary there for me. Like, no. mercenary plotline's not interesting. So, again, Benjamin Percy's like, great. Adam Kubert are great. Just sort of like, okay, fine. That's cool. Next next issue kind of thing. The, the it's last a very middling. Go ahead. 15 years, Maverick just shows up and then does fuck all and it's not interesting and then goes away. Like his relationship right. with Wolverine, it's always when they're there, like super important, you know, like, oh, we were such good friends back then and blah, blah, blah. And then no one, he doesn't give three shits about him for the next That's what it is, years I think. until he yeah. shows back up. It, it, and yeah, as you said, there are so many good mercenary characters in Marvel. Um, whatever the mercs for money that Deadpool started, they were just a bunch of weird old mercs. But this guy, I mean, no. He's Maverick trapped in the team yeah, of no ones. It's boring as fuck. He's trapped in the 80s, 90s. Yeah, I figured, Kaylin, you're going to say it's like an old, it's like felt like a throwback issue almost, right? I don't know what you were thinking. I mean, it's it's a perfectly fine, like, Wolverine title. Like, yeah. and if you were into Wolverine as a solo book in the late 80s, early 90s, like, this very much feels like an updated version of that. Like, there's nothing wrong with it. It's just, I have lost interest in Logan as a character, uh, except for him in context with other, like other yeah. X-Men or other mutants. Right. Like I like him in X-Force. I like him interacting with Scott and Jean. Uh, mm -hmm. I obviously like, I love them as the headmaster of the Jean Grey school during Wolverine and the X-Men. Like, like finding different ways to like have him interact with the Marvel universe is really fun. Him being like, you know, the loner that's the best at what he does and what he does isn't very nice. I'm like, I'm just kind of bored with that. <laughs> and I really, um, I really, really, really want, um, like, like I think Percy would do a nice job of writing Laura. Like, I think he's yes. got a good voice. Uh, or he gets the character's voices, I should say. And he's a, he's, a, he's a very good, very good writer. Like, making Laura Wolverine or making her, like, um, you know, be co-Wolverine in, in the title would make it much more interesting. And maybe, maybe that's what they're planning on. Hey, hey, let her go to the 17,000 black market auctions that are happening every day <laughs> in the Marvel uh -huh. universe. Yeah. Uh, do, 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 do. That's the news flash from me. And it's also the lightning round, Caleb. 
I don't, was that was that a newsflash or was that the techno in the city of the children of the Adam? <laughs> that's what you hear. That's what you hear. The children of the Adam, dude. That's actually we are in the vault. I trapped you in here uh, before this podcast started. So I hope you like bro it blowing smoke holes. It's what me and my I was gonna say my friend, but our guest Katie Ozog calls him uh, smoke holes. So uh, in Marvel news, really big uh, announcement: Spider Man Three has a name. Uh, it is Spider-Man 3 No Way Home. No real information about it besides the fact that there's potentially going to be 17 million people in this movie from multiple universes and movie universes and plot lines and what have you. Uh, but Tom Holland, Zendaya, and Jacob Badalon kind of had a whole release schedule of fake titles and different colors and things like Home Worlds, Home Sweet Home. There was a teaser video um phone home home wrecker home slice uh what do you all think the film's coming in december 17th only in theaters uh how are we feeling about this um i'm looking forward to it i love the first spider-man movie i really like the second one i need to re-watch the second one i only saw it one time in the theater because i'm not sure if it's streaming anywhere it's certainly not on plus um no it's i'm glad it was Oh, it's still rental. I- I'm glad it's not, you know, phone home or whatever, like, dumb title it was going to be. I know that was a joke, but, like, like the whole, like, E.T. 80s, like, you know, metatextual reference was like, ah, I'm glad they didn't do that. Uh, but, yeah, uh, I think the video was super cute of how they released it. It was, like, Zendaya and the guy who played Ned, along with, um, oh, gosh, what's his face? Uh-huh. Who plays Peter slash uh, Tom Holland, uh, you know, basically saying, oh, like, we knew you were going to spoil it. It's like, I'm not going to spoil it. And they're like, you spoiled the last one. Like, I, th- I thought that was really cute. Uh, I'm, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I hope that the, the fourth movie is called um, Home for the Holidays. And it's just like a religious parable where everyone learns important lessons about Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, you don't think it should be Home Alone where all the Avengers, like, go off world and they no. just leave Spider-Man in the Avengers Mansion by himself? No, I want... He's got to deal uh, with criminals. I want- I want Jesus Christ to appear. I want I want um, him to to fight Nazis. I don't know. <laughs> I'd watch that movie. Jesus versus the Nazis. Into it. Uh, all right. So moving on, um, we found out when Loki will be coming on Disney Plus. It is June 11th. Um, it is the third uh, Disney Plus series. Of course, the first one is WandaVision, as we talked about earlier in this episode. The second one is Falcon and Winter Soldier, which will be premiering in mid March. Uh, and so there's going to be like maybe about a six week or so gap of no Disney plus or no Marvel uh, universe stuff on Disney plus. I hope we can all survive it. Uh, but Loki looks amazing uh, to me, like the trailer that we saw a few weeks ago where you've got the time variance authority. Um, I'm dealing with uh, as, as a reminder, dealing with the 2012 version of Loki who uh, 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 ran away with the time stone, I believe uh, Um and so having to deal with that version, I think, uh, could be a lot of fun. I'm sure, like, Kang and his, like, ilk will be part of it. But uh, what do you all think? Clark? Um, I, I'm not really, well, not really about that. I just think it's weird that we had a year and a half of, like, nothing Marvel. And now, <laughs> half the year, literally half of the year, there will be an episode coming out of something or a movie come out of something. It's, like, it, not overkill. It. It's not overkill at all. It's It's desperately needed. And I'm very excited to not have to waste weeks of not watching marvel, uh, marvel took so, a cue from rupaul's drag race and was like well if rue can produce 
17 <laughs> shows at once on a weekly basis, we should be able to do that too as Disney. I want Avengers Thailand so badly. You have no idea. <laughs> I love that. Um, but I, I'm still wondering when the hell they're going to release Black Widow. Will they finally just bite the bullet and just say, we're going to release it on Disney Plus? A la Mulan, you pay $30, go, go kill myself um you know to to watch it because like it is it is a like an integral part of of the phase four of of marvel universe and like i would have believed that falcon winter soldier deals with that because the whole espionage like actiony part of of uh, of the mcu but i don't know I, I do I do wonder if it's almost like an optics issue too, especially well, I mean, they already had Captain Marvel, but I guess it's she's really the actual Avenger for you know, like a real like ongoing female character in the MCU to get her first kind of standout movie. So I don't know if they're like feeling weird about that, where it's like they don't want to like relegate that, you know, kind of we'll dump this female movie on Disney Plus versus all these other movies we'll keep holding out. But yeah, I do, you know, I do want to see that as soon as possible because it looked fucking cool from the trailers but you know I, as long as there's pretty much consistent marvel content for television and movies on an ongoing basis um i mean and, and if it's as quality of wandavision so that's mm -hmm. also great that the sort of flagship tv show was really female driven because as much as vision's a part of the show it's certainly wanda's story to tell um for sure kind of in marvel news uh the deadpool writers <laughs> rhett reese and paul wernick are working with Sony TV and PlayStation to develop a live action Twisted Metal series. So Twisted Metal, for people who don't know, was made, uh, came out in 1995, has had like, I think, at least five, maybe six uh, sequels, uh, all Sony-based, of uh, a ton of Destruction Derby, uh, kind of like Mario Kart on steroids, if Mario was like tearing off the heads of people. Um, it was very fun, huge childhood memories for me um and just you know it was like calypso and i can't even remember the sweet tooth i was like who what the clown's name um i'm fucking excited it's a great idea for a live action series at least if they have both like probably the stunt coordinator for fast and the furious as well as the budget <laughs> of the fast and the furious movies like it's just it, i really hope it's a lot of real-time action because obviously car driving is always so fun to exciting and, and kinetic to watch if it's CGI, a lot of it, I'll kill myself. But I don't you know how. Obviously, oh god. What is it? You say I mean, obviously, well, you're, you're sarcastic. I find watching people drive in movies either stressful because they're not looking the road, or boring as fuck, and I want the driving to end. Oh, like because like death. I think as much as I didn't like, de I didn't really like Death Proof, for instance, Quarantino's ex exploitation movie. Um, but I just thought it was really fun. I just thought it was so impressive to watch these uh, actual stunt people do all of these amazing things. Um, but did you guys play it? What do you want to see? We'd love to hear about it. I did not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I definitely played it as a kid. Um, but like, the, I'm with Clark, like most like car chase movies are just not my thing. Like I don't mind them in certain films if they're done well. But the only one I really did like was the original Death Race 2000 with uh, David Carradine and Sylvester Stallone because uh, it set up the whole idea of like, you know, a thousand points if you kill these kinds of people and it was i remember seeing that as a little kid like late night on like some yeah. like you know syndicated channel where they were like you know dealing with with like you know bad sci-fi movies and i was like this is fucking crazy so now i will so, watch a cannonball run or a rat race just because they're so stupid with their driving oh my god yeah. 
wait, I just want Twisted Metal just to be a remake of Rat Race, the early 2000s movie. And I want Whoopi Goldberg, Whoopi Goldberg getting into that, like, breaking the sound barrier vehicle. I, and just... <laughs> I still love that fucking movie. It's such a guilty pleasure. Also, Rat Race is a remake of It's a Mad, 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 Mad World, yes, which it is. is a great yes, it is. 60s movie. It's a great so, movie that's um, about an hour too long. <laughs> I don't even long. remember it, to be honest. It's um, only 60 minutes. But... <laughs> <laughs> All right, so um, May the 4th be with you, or Star Wars Day is going to be the premiere of Bad Batch, which is a spinoff from uh, Clone Wars. It was a group of um, uh, former clones, uh, or rather the current clones, but they kind of go off and do their own thing. Uh, they all have exceptional skills uh, that make them really effective soldiers and a formidable crew. Uh, too bad Ryan's not here to go into how much he's looking forward to this, because I'm sure it'll be enjoyable, but... This is not the main thing I'm looking forward to this year. But do you guys have any quick uh, things to add to this? I'm excited about it. Yeah, Clark. Do you know what I always forget? I always keep forgetting that it's May 4th. And I don't know why. I always think it's May 5th. And I'm like, wait, no, it's not May (laughs) May the 5th be with you. (laughs) Every single time. I I do actually love this marketing approach, especially because they're expanding the content so much for Star Wars that every fucking May 4th they're going to be doing so much shit mm-hmm. every year so people like ryan will uh lose his mind i think it's exciting i mean the clone wars is great all iterations of it besides the actual movie itself so it it should kind of continue that quality uh i'm pretty excited but you know there's not it, i do like i like star wars when it's mercenary based or kind of like elite small group based i don't like skywalker i don't like you know, singular legacy type characters in Star Wars. So I think that's what I'm excited about, that kind of conversation and, and personal dynamics that can come as a result of it. Um, and probably the biggest news for me, I don't know if it's for you guys, but sort of Nickelodeon in conduct, conjunction with Paramount Plus, which I'm calling Paramount Plus, is really doing a lot of great expansion for, you know, old cartoons in terms of rebooting Rugrats for CG uh, animation. They're doing some new Star Trek shows. There's also going to be an iCarly reboot. Um, but what's the you most important, it's just Clark's favorite, I know. Can't wait to see. I wonder if what's her name is going to come, but Miranda Cosgrove, is that what it is? Couldn't tell you. Oh, then I, maybe <laughs> I'm the biggest iCarly fan of Public Superior. But the most important news is that Nickelodeon is forming a new content division, a new studio specifically designed to create original animated series and movies based on Avatar, the uh, animated series, as well as Korra. So that entire universe. And the first project is actually going to be a theatrical movie that's beginning production this year. Um, So, you know, this is not uh, taking over the live action series that Netflix is still also running with it, but the new studio that Nickelodeon is putting together will actually be using the original creators that walked away from Netflix's live action show because it was too mature or too different than what they had really originally intended for this kind of world and these characters. I'm beyond fucking excited, but you know, I have, you know, I've only watched, I watched Avatar and Core very recently um, because my boyfriend was a huge fan and I absolutely fell in love with it. Um, but I don't know what what special place does Avatar hold in your hearts, if any. Is this going to be directed well, I, by M Night Shyamalan? No. <laughs> Shyamalan. <laughs> I, 
I, you stole my joke because I was going to be like, I really loved the M. Night Shyamalan movie and being like, no, that's stupid. No one loved that movie. Um, but no, I, you know, I still, I, and this is a terrible thing to say. I've still never fully watched the original. So <gasps> like now, now I, this is an incentive for me to watch. I know you it's huge. To. It's both. It's, so it's like, good. it's, it's great nerdy stuff. And it's also like very, like a lot of queer fans of it too. So um just yeah, Clark. I mean, Kaylin. The minute we stop recording, turn on episode one, mm-hmm. and then maybe give yourself a couple of episodes because Avatar is much more of a kid show. Um, and then Cora is great. There are basically like four seasons of mini movies. But the what Avatar does in three seasons, uh, most importantly, what they do with um, God. I, I can only think of Uncle Iro because I love him so much. Uh, but yeah, you're just just be ready for a journey. It is it is absolutely fantastic um so get into it uh i think two more tv well i wanted to want to say something we've been pushing it off for the last two weeks um that their hbo max is going to do um it's hbo max yes yes uh it's going to do a velma series an adult like velma from scooby-doo as an adult and i'm excited mindy kaling is i'm assuming gonna is, is she's executive producing it and starring in it and um i'm very excited they're gonna make hopefully they're gonna make her as queer as she's been. The best series of Scooby Doo ever I've mentioned before is Mystery Incorporated, and it is fast. It's just fabulous. Recently, the creators said that she is. They wrote her as a gay, gay character, right. queer character. She ends up with this girl named Hot Dog Water, vo- voiced by Linda <laughs> Carnalini. It is great. You should watch that series so much. It is weird as shit. Anyways, oh, and then they're also gonna make a hopefully gay as shit Wednesday Addams series that Netflix is doing. I know they're really we're really clear queering it up with live action uh, female characters from our childhood, which I yeah. I'm all for. Uh, I absolutely love it. Um, well, yeah, that's been our podcast. You can find us at Twitter at Homo Superior X, Instagram at Homo Superior Podcast, not on Facebook because it sucks. Uh, and you know, just play with us, talk to us, chat with us. We want to hear what you're thinking, what you like about these topics. Uh, we've been Homo Superior. Remember to check out our classics, uh, Children of the Vault, that we released this week. If you're trying to get more words on X-Men 18 and Clark, I think you've got something to really send us off. I was just going to tell Kalen that a Mad, 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 Mad World is three and a half hours long. That is a, a very long time. Um, why is that movie so fucking long? For- <laughs> I don't know. It needs to be an hour shorter. I said, and I didn't realize the time. All right. So see ya. <laughs> Isaac. And you know what? You're getting an extra special extended edition <laughs> of the Clark and Adam Hour because Kalen has walked away and he is the owner <laughs> of this recording. <laughs> Turn it off. Turn it off. We don't know how to work for time. And I realized that way too soon that we were wrapping up when Kaylin was the one who had to turn it off. So now you get to see behind the scenes at our audio visual setup. And let me tell you, it's not pretty. It's still going, Kaylin. Just ended. All right. We are officially ended. Thank you so much for joining Homo Superior. See you later. <laughs> <laughs>